0: Hey everyone, this is the Maker Mistaker Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Finley, and this week we've got an interesting show planned. I'm super excited. I have a, a special guest coming on, my friend Els from Orange County. She's an amazing woman that I've met uh, last winter through this spiritual group called Embody You. And we've been talking ever since. And she's just someone who who inspires me on a on a regular basis with her knowledge and her wisdom that she shares. She's got a blog called Livingdiscernment.org. And you can head over there to see some of her recent postings, but one of them really caught my attention and it was called, what will you create? And this post was, um, it, the, the phrase that came to mind is we need to stop complaining and start creating. Okay. So like, there's a lot of focus on the bad stuff that's happening in the world and how powerless we are. And, you know, like, you know, the government is this and the money system is that, and the evil corporate elite you know corporations are this and we there's a lot of complaining that's done especially if you see people piling on on social media and stuff like that but what are you doing about it you know what can we do about it what's you know sometimes you feel powerless if you feel like you want to change the world or change the situation but you're just one person so what can you do so she had a really interesting uh, post about that but before i bring her on the show i just want to give you a couple quick updates on what happened with me this week so last time we talked was the I was finishing up my road trip, I was at the Monroe Institute doing out-of-body travel and all all that fun, crazy stuff, but this time, I'm finally back home in Ohio, stuck at my parents' house now, (laughs) living here, getting settled in, and I have to admit, I'm kind of bored, I'm kind of like jonesing to go back out on the road, I want to visit other cities, I want to travel again, Um, but I have to do a couple things here in town, here in Cleveland, um, Mm. Tie up some loose ends and stuff like that too, um, that I have to do. And then I'm thinking about hitting the road again. Maybe go up to Portland. I'm thinking about maybe moving there. It's something that's crossed my mind, moving to the Pacific Northwest somewhere. I'm not sure yet, but um, or possibly traveling overseas. I don't really know what I want to do yet, but I'm figuring that out. But one thing that's happening is I I'm um, in the beginning stages of putting on a small event, a small retreat for you know newly awakened souls star seeds, and people interested in this kind of stuff that we talk about so that's something that you may be hearing more news from me down the line um let's see let me check my notes is there anything else that i've got that i want to share with you before i bring her on um no that's it let's just cut to the chase let's bring her on so Els, you're on the line here and um welcome to the make or Mistaker podcast
1: thank you jeff i'm delighted to be here
0: Cool. I wanted to bring you on for a long time now, and it's just your your new post was was so powerful. I mean, the latest ones that you've done are getting more and more powerful as I read them. But um, but bef- so before we get to the post, like tell our listeners a little bit about where you come from. You described yourself as a recovering new ager. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny.
1: I can just see in a few years we're going to have you know meetings. Um, I am Els, I'm a recovering new Ager. I have, you know, been so long since my last uh, <laughs> since my, <laughs> since my last meditation. Anyway, um <clears throat> I I say that I say that in jest but um but there's a lot of truth to to it in in terms of really coming home to ourselves. Um there's mm. a lot of living that's done all along the line, we're peeling the onion, and new age was just one stage it's not the it's not the end it's not the end, so yeah. moving through that, um what I employed was discernment where Where could I find me in this in in the whole scheme of things um I started writing the blog just this last year to share what I'd learned after. Going through an, um, a lengthy process of what what I first thought was a depression, after compounded losses, um, that fell into grief and passed a dark night of the soul and an existential crisis, and onto a full on deconstruction of all my beliefs. Wow. And where where was I in that scenario? Where was me, my my essence and discernment? Really, was vital. To finding that deeper truth, so we talk about truth, my truth, your truth, their truth. Who's got the truth? Mm-hmm. And it's it's layers. We all have the truth. It's just where we're standing right now in our perspective, um, and knowing that we can go deeper, we can go deeper with that within ourselves. It's not within a belief system. It's not within anyone else's construct we can join those constructs to support us in um in our experience in that unfolding but that it's it's still a framework it's still something that's external to us so what i'm talking about is a process of coming inward and finding that centeredness so that's how we met
0: wow yeah i mean gosh you covered so much there i mean i've known about your deconstruction you've told me about this and and the dark night of the soul i mean i i had a similar depression you know and that's how i got to where i'm at you know when i started questioning what i'm doing with my life and why don't i why i'm not why i'm not happy with with what i thought i was happy with you know why am i falling out of residence with what i once loved and for you know fortunately for me i never had too much investment in any sort of belief system to deconstruct you know I mean, I, I can understand if someone's part of a religion and they've got all of these uh, beliefs that they're really holding dearly, and then things don't start, their life starts to shift, and those don't make sense to them anymore. But it's really hard to get rid of them. So that's like this shedding of the everything that's not you, mm-hmm. um, and that's what I really loved. I just wrote an email to a, a, a blog reader of mine who talked about self improvement and talked about you know feeling like a failure and all this kind of stuff, and it just really reminded me of. This whole idea of self-improvement is really more like self-actualization, or Mm -hmm. you know, being who your true self, Mm -hmm. getting rid of everything that's false, and and that's what's happening, like with the planet, right? We hear that all the time. So that that we're ushering in this new new age, (laughs) 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 for lack of a better word. Um, But yeah, so tell me more about this idea of your core self. Um,
1: well, I think you hit the nail on the head there with the with the authenticity. So it's coming back to to our essential self, our essential nature. We each have one. We know it. That's what we're seeking. We seek a connection through other people. We seek a connection through organizations, through religion, through spiritual practices. And really, what we're seeking is that connection with that essence of ourself that we most of us were never allowed to develop. We were culturalized by our parents, our religion, our school system, and every little step along the way most often took us into that place of cultural safety where we were acceptable and and also we were worker bees. Um, but, but But away from that essential aspect of ourselves that Um, that authentic nature which is where we're headed right now where it's it's that shift that's happening globally that's beginning with us so global shift doesn't happen without our participation right i mean Mm -hmm. whether we're participating or not we're still participating so whether we're going to be conscious or not is going to be a choice of where our, our planetary shift goes yeah so the authenticity is important in in driving that um that impulse that intention of self-improvement that's our goal
0: Um, yeah now a lot of people get into religion because they're trying to find god yeah and so that's this this idea that there's this higher power that's that's greater than yourself, and it helps makes all of your earthly problems seem insignificant. You're like, oh, okay, there's a higher power that's taking care of this, or I follow Jesus or something like that. So, what's the draw there in terms of like, okay, there's this whole idea of your core self, your true self, but like that doesn't mean anything, right? Like, what we're after is God or Jesus, isn't it? Like, isn't yeah. that, so I'm just putting this as sort of a devil's advocate perspective.
1: Right. Well, that's <clears throat> what we're looking at. are two dynamics. One is where you're giving your energy to an outside source. To do your inner work for you, as opposed to you recognizing yourself as a sovereign being, meaning that at your at your core essence, that um, that aspect of you that transcends time and place, the aspect of you that we consider to be our soul. Um, some call it spirit. Some, you know, use the two terms interchangeably. Mm-hmm. that untouchable aspect of ourselves is really our sovereign nature that cannot be overridden we cannot give that aspect of us away it is we give our power away but we can't give that aspect of us away that is ours when we reclaim the power of that then we become more coalesced we pull ourselves together in a sense every time we give our power away to another authority we're fracturing ourselves so that our energies are scattered and we don't find ourselves as effective as we want in life. We wonder why things aren't working. Well, look how many places you have your energy invested and how many people you're trying to please, in other words, whether it's God, whether it's a spouse, whether it's a parent, co-workers, your boss, um, your social group that you want to be accepted to. You're giving your power away in each one of those avenues and not maintaining that centeredness in yourself and that core so um that's the way i see it you're either self-empowered or you're other empowered or disempowered (laughs) as it were
0: oh yeah that's so interesting i mean and so much of the new age uh religion is is kind of about self-empowerment and you know except for there's a whole lot more added to it, like spirit guides and angels and, um, and
1: ascended masters yeah, and gur- gurus
0: and, and, mm-hmm. yeah. and, and that's still, that's very similar too. it's like there's people that have the knowledge, the spiritual knowledge, and mm-hmm. then you, 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 if you're just getting into it, don't have access to that. So to you, your access to the spiritual truth is through that guru or through mm-hmm. the author of this book or the speaker on the stage, oh. you know, or the angel that you seem to be in communication with at night, you know, or something like that. Like if you want to go that far or the spirit guides, you know, yeah. They and that's you still this an advice.
1: intermediary. That's still an intermediary. Like the, like a priest in the Catholic church, he's an intermediary to, to God. So we still have to in, I'm not saying not to use these avenues. I'm saying be aware that they are avenues. Look at them for what they are. They're intermediaries between you and really yourself. So use them as tools to gain the knowledge that you need to gain um, the wisdom that they do have. I'm not saying they don't have wisdom. Just maintain your own sense of your own sovereignty and your own power.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's like, Looking at a buffet and, you know, you realize that you can have a choice between all of these. I know a lot of people, if they haven't dove into a religion religion or whatever, they like look at all of them and they start like investigating. Do I like Buddhism? Do I like Christianity? Do I like Islam? Or whatever. Or do I like the New Age? Do I I want to be an atheist? It's like they're picking from all of these predefined buckets, Mm -hmm. you know. And it's like, well, step back from that. Realize that you still have your core you are you're still your own person regardless of whatever you choose whether religion you attach yourself to all, any of that stuff It's there to help you. It's there to serve you rather than the other way around, you know, right So but anyway, so let's just, I just wanted to clarify, you know this whole path of authenticity and how it and how it relates to sort of this Divine truth of you are a powerful being you are infinite. Your soul is infinite, you know and this idea of sovereignty is like no masters no slaves like you are not owned by anyone you know, you you like you are your own authority and that's it's about self-empowerment. And that ultimately leads to this creation aspect. Like, what are you doing as a divine creator on this planet? You are a creator being. Mm-hmm. And the more you step into your power, the more you can create and manifest whatever it is that you desire here on Earth. So tell me about this post that you wrote. Where was the, the inspiration for this post about creating?
1: Well, as everyone's been feeling, I'm sure, there's probably not, not a whole lot who, who've who missed the changing times. And everywhere we look, um, whether the, it's the traditional news, if it's the alternate news, every community is talking about the state of the world. Um, we're in this crisis or that almost crisis, the looming this or the disastrous that it's cataclysmic it's fear-based and what I what I tapped into was something I think what went from a sort of an information overload like is nobody like where's the good like we've got all we've got is cloud cover where's where's the good in this and what i What I recognized is that this is also an immense time, a massive time of creation, because as the pendulum swings one direction, it doesn't stop at dead center. It continues on in equal measure in the opposite direction. So as we have deconstruction, as we have even destruction, we also have creation. Something is happening in, in the place, the countermeasure. As something comes down, something builds up. So who's looking at that? I didn't hear anybody talking about this massive time of creation. What is it that we are building, going back to being participants? Whether we know it or not, we are participating. We are energetically engaged in the outcome of what we are seeing collectively. So where is our attention going to be? We can acknowledge the deconstruction that's going on. It is part of our time. The old is crumbling, and that's exactly as it should be um, in terms of all the predictions and the prophecies and you know, end time things going on. It just doesn't have to be as cataclysmic as as all the Hollywood movies say it is and, and some of the um, other predictions out there. So that was um, that was that was what I was feeling. I shared that in a brief comment on um, on another's web uh, website, Zen Gardner, and he replied, "More people need to hear about this. Tell me more." So what I did in my blog post was I shared my response to him. Um, I realized that I might as well post it. <laughs> and that so it's not a regular blog format it is in a in a letter sort of format but mm-hmm. that's how it goes
0: yeah and that's over at uh living living if and the the link i'll have that in the show notes as well um so can you summarize the your response what did you write
1: absolutely so the the aspect of um, recognizing what I just said with a, the with a deconstruction and then recognizing that we have this opportunity for conscious creation, this isn't about manifesting. This isn't the new age um, law of attraction. This is a different – we're moving now into a different type of co-creative experience. You and I are creating this – this, um, event right now. So we're all participatory, um, in just in our daily lives, how are we approaching, how are we approaching that life is something that the new age has, has talked a great deal about. So I don't, you know, I think everybody's probably pretty familiar with this law of attraction thing, the way it differs, what I'm seeing right now in, in this creative process is that this is more an invitation an invitation to what our really is our heart's desire, not our ego's desire, but this reconnection with our essential self, this often authentic self. We connect with our heart and our desires. I feel that our desires are something of a, a dowsing rod to our truth. What lights you up? That word desire has been, I think, kind of taken from us to mean something bad, like we desire something that we shouldn't have and that's a curiosity to me because our our desire is very enlightening that fire i think everybody can can relate to what i'm saying so
0: what's your passion you know the
1: passion is yeah is another way of looking at that um so that's what i'm talking about i'm talking about that heart core because that's yourself speaking to you and believe me believe me, I don't even, you don't need to believe me. You need, you, you have resonance within yourself. You are calling to you. Your fuller aspect of being is calling to you. That's what you're hearing. That's the draw connecting with that and inviting in that desire is this new type of creation, this new way of creating what you want, wants you in that authentic nature does that make sense it's not just i want a new car i'm going to visualize it i'm going to put it on my visioning board i'm going to look at it every day and i'm going to magnetize it to myself it's seeing a car and going that car is me and now you're inviting it you're inviting yourself to join yourself it's um it's a love making process, hmm. so that's that's how that's how it shifted. We need to we're more intentional with ourselves. It's not that object and me coming together. It's me coming together with myself.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because it's like your desires change the more in alignment to your truth you are. I mean, like if you're really out of alignment and you might be looking at your desires, your desires are if you're coming from your ego perspective, you know, your your desires are going to be like well. I want this car. I want more money. I want that. I want to have a beautiful, you know, relationship. You know these like things that everyone's supposed to want, and mm-hmm. and like, but your heart's desire is a whole different story. It's like, what is it that you long to do in this lifetime? Mm-hmm. Like this pull that that like you say, I can't ever do this because, for one, I can't make a living doing it, or. If i do i'll be ridiculed i no one's gonna appreciate it you know all these things that you have that brings you right it exposes you to all of your fears you know Mm -hmm. but this is your heart's desire this isn't just like the things that you want to to manifest in your life so this has a lot to do with creating like what is it that you want to create in this world not just consume Mm -hmm. but so where i come from and where you know where wmc fest is concerned so many people talk about like following your passion you know mm-hmm. there's a book out there called the crossroads of should and must
1: Ooh, and I-
0: it's actually really really good um it's a beautiful book it's like all hand painted and stuff like that it's really creative and playful but she talks about that the feeling of must like i must do this at all costs and it's and then there's the whole should well maybe i shouldn't maybe i should do this because it's going to be more financially stable so it's like logical and rational and and safe and then the must is alive and fire and passion you know so that's the balance okay so the heart's desire is what we're talking about here so how does that relate to creating and what what will you create
1: well the um the should and the must are very much part of of our a culturalization that's what we were introduced to from our families and um and education through religion of course um, all of all of the things that again keep us safe within within the society, um, safe supposedly within being able to to meet our basic needs, and then also as I mentioned earlier, you know, just being good worker bees, so we don't we we don't deviate <laughs> from from uh, yeah. from the program. Um, so the. Here again, the creative process. Um, what you brought up with the mind is, I'm not. Um, I guess what I what I should what I should say along with the heart. The heart is is the greater mind. Um, it's so interesting. Heart math uh, has proven that we have brain cells in our heart, which is quite amazing, and. Um, and it knows faster than our the brain in our head when um when tested so there is an interconnection between the two of them and i don't mean to imply in any way that we don't think we just discern with um with that tool we use our head more as a tool and we connect with that feeling nature in our heart the feeling nature is something that we haven't spent a lot of time developing that's not something that we're taught in school how to feel. We're not really taught in religion other than ooh, bliss out you know that's that's a cool feeling. Don't be angry because that attracts the wrong thing um,
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> the heart has the heart has a range of emotion that when we connect with it becomes part of becomes part of our our toolbox in mastering our environment in that creative process. So if we think about our emotions, maybe as artistic tools and our feeling states as, um, as sort of a vibratory palette, if you will, then what we create becomes easier through those feeling, feeling states if you identify a feeling that you like, like I, I love feeling um, radiant. That's such a wonderful word for me. Radiant It's just, it invokes like sunshine and I don't know, just more than happiness. Radiance is, is just a lovely feeling state for me. So what mm-hmm. can I do to feel radiant? What actions can I do? What, what in my world can can i facilitate to encourage that feeling and that's part of that's a very creative process right there so as we become more coherent within our heart through our feeling states the creative process becomes easier it's not a matter of me impressing myself upon the world so much as i pull myself together in this authentic state of being and that just resonates with other things of likeness so that's where that law of attraction kind of thing comes in it's just from a different angle that we're working with it yeah. in terms of pulling ourselves from our core from our heart does that make sense
0: yeah i mean do what you do what brings you joy you know that's it's it's, it's simple like and when you do what brings you joy it puts you in this state of being that attracts other people that are also that, that you you encourage other people to do what brings them joy. You bring more joy to the planet
1: mm-hmm. when you
0: yourself are doing it. You know, and when people are trying to figure out what it is that they want to do with their life, it's 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 so simple. They want to just be. They want to be happy. They want to live a life full of joy, mm-hmm. you know, but they don't. They might not think of it that way. They might think of it in terms of like, what is the career I can join, mm-hmm. you know, or what what's the job that I can do that mm-hmm. I think, oh, I, I'm good at this, so maybe I should get a job at that. And That's gonna pay my bills and that feels good enough for now It's like but when you start thinking in terms of the feeling states that you want to embody in mm-hmm. your life joy gratitude bliss love Radiance, you know, those are these states of beings and how can I what what do I do? What do I know that I do that brings me into that feeling mm-hmm. and And the more you allow yourself to do that because it's kind of scary because you might think that you're not gonna be able to survive If you do it if you live like that mm-hmm. Um that's the leap of faith that you have to take when you say when people say follow your heart follow your passion do what inspires you follow your curiosity that's what i'm talking about Mm -hmm. is aligning yourself with that with your heart and then trusting that it's going to lead you where you need to go and your career will unfold from that your job will unfold from that your Mm -hmm. purpose on this planet will unfold from that position you know and that's different for everyone. Like your your purpose on the planet is different from mine because mm-hmm. what brings you joy is different from what brings me joy. So,
1: well, and it's not something. The end state isn't something that we need to see. It's um, it's an unfoldment as yeah. we're feeling and vibing. We're just being us, and then things tend to fall into place around and the unfoldment is oftentimes in ways that you can't necessarily imagine. So that's part of the place where we get stuck is, is that attachment to an end goal, which is a different process. It's not that you can't have an end goal in mind and that you're working your way towards something. Um, I think there's a lot to be said for having a goal in mind and working your way towards it or working your way back from it. Um, it's just a different process they're not to be confused mm-hmm. one of the things that um i think would be highly illustrative of what i'm saying is um in june uh, i believe it was disney um disney pixar movie yeah came out called inside out and it's a children's movie but as it goes with a lot of these um children's movies they have a lot for adults mm-hmm. and This one illustrates the inner life of each of the characters. It's a mom and a dad and a kid. And inside their heads is a control panel manned by five emotions. So there's joy, there's disgust, there's anger, there's sadness, and fear. Mm. So those five emotional characters have their turns at different point in each one of the characters lives so you can you see as their life is unfolding what's going on in their head their their inner emotional states are interacting with each other so um, looking at it from an adult perspective rather than it was a delightful children's movie it was it was very um I highly recommend it. It was very, very well done in terms of our psychological states and considering, hmm, who's running my show like who's who's running around in my head what are what are those five emotions saying to each other how are they inter- how are they interacting and how is that affecting me
0: yeah.
1: and um, I had a really terrific I've had a number of really terrific discussions about that with others and What I what I did for myself was after the movie I sat in a quiet contemplative space and I really considered who's running my show and I spoke with each one of In an inner dialogue just an imagined inner dialogue, you know, you're like, okay joy talk to me Tell me tell me what you need tell me who you are Um, and just imagine just listen to what it is that they're saying it's kind of amazing how aspects of yourself are really waiting to be heard okay. and um yeah so you know one of one of my aspects been overworked and went to take a hot bath and another got to go to the beach to decompress and um and i realigned i realigned my group and it was the shift was amazing it was it was amazing. And I felt more connected with my emotional states. Um, and that's, that's an avenue that I, I feel very strongly is, is going to help us with this creative process.
0: Yeah. I think that's beautiful. I mean, cause then you, you can look at your mind of like, Oh, fear has been running the show a lot, you know, and then you can talk to it and then not like you have to get rid of fear or, like, make it bad, but you, like, have respect for it. And if you treat it like a little being, like, in your imagination, which I think is so cute and adorable. Um, it's like, you know, you've been running the show for too long. Like, you're, I know you're tired. Why don't yeah. you take take a rest? And, like, yeah. Joy, what have you been doing? And Joy's probably like, I can't get a word in edgewise. Fear exactly. is, like, dominating everything. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then and joy's like thank you for for just coming to me and paying attention to me so many times when i do like that inner work like that i just get this feeling of like thank you for paying attention to me
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's like that's all i want is this to be it noticed it's yeah. so interesting they, these parts of yourself literally just want to be noticed and acknowledged so
1: i've had that same experience it's so true
0: i really want to see that movie now
1: please do please do and then let's talk about it
0: (laughs) yeah okay so i we did this podcast yesterday but we (laughs) lost we lost uh we lost everything because in the middle of us talking about the infamous they my computer (laughs) froze and i lost the entire recording that sucked so we're doing this again um so, in your post, you talk about the imposition or they or like and, and remember last podcast or yesterday you were talking about the education system and how it sort of it doesn't doesn't like teach you how to follow your joy right you know it doesn't teach you th- about that stuff it teaches you how to like memorize stuff and be a good worker be and be compliant so mm-hmm. can you go into that i want I want to make sure we bring that in
1: okay well, um I talk about the imposition. As a as a term that's kind of an umbrella uh, that covers everything that impedes us from being who we are. Now, um, I'm going to say this. I'm sure everybody will be familiar with this phrase of being spiritual beings having a human experience, and so that it's that that essential nature that that they're covering up that they 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 the imposition are covering up or wanting to um are wanting us not to express uh and going back again to, to from birth from the culturalization process um what's acceptable and what isn't in our in our family's culture in our community's culture and then we we hit the school system and religion comes before that oftentimes if it's going to it's oftentimes um earlier than the education system. So with education, our our educational model is based on an old Prussian educational model of creating good soldiers. So you sit in the seats and you sit in rows and orderliness and you're told what to do and when to do it and how to answer to a higher authority in order to somewhat to break your spirit so that you will do what is required when it's required. That's what soldiers do. Um, and for children, um, the traditional model goes back even further into the 16th century. Um, the notion that children are blank slates was introduced by the French philosopher Jean-Jacques Rousseau. Mm-hmm. In Latin, it's called tabula rosa. Maybe some, some of you have heard of that term. Yeah. So it's just treating the child as if they're a blank slate. They're, they're empty little beings that you want to stuff with what you think they need to be stuffed with for your agenda, not for their development But for them to grow up to be the worker bees, the people that, the elites, the people that the authoritarians need to function in their structure, their construct, Mm -hmm. whatever. So if um, if you're the leader, if you're the head, you're the authority, you want the greater masses to be compliant so that's really what our educational system does is it creates compliance. It kind of squashes our little our little create, our little creative beings and makes us compliant. I don't know that many of us really gained from our educational experience a lot of knowledge about what we were good at. I think that if we know what we're good at, it's because that is such a strength that we we're gonna be good at it no matter what. But how many of us got back papers with marks on them that just made you your little heart sink? You know, it was it was a horrible, horrible mm. experience for a lot of creative people, <laughs> and not something that a lot of us are eager to to go back and do again. So right. um, I think that's a good good measure. If it's something that you you'd love to go back and do again, we'll do it and leave the rest of it. <laughs>
0: right yeah like we, we go through the school system and there's a lot of people that that leave and they don't know what they want to do right they they you know there's just people i know that are still figuring out what it is that they want to do they 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 don't have a, a strength that's like popping out at them that's screaming you know do this do me you know like i'm here like you know whether you're really talented at music or art or something like that that's pretty, you know or athletics it's like really obvious but like some people it's not so obvious
1: well, I bet they'll. I bet they could tell you what they're not good at.
0: Oh, I'm because sure. Because
1: <laughs> I think school tells us a lot more about what we're not good at than it does what we are good at. So, in my experience, it's like, oh, you're good at this, but you're not good at that. Let's spend more time doing what you're not good at.
0: Yeah, to bring to improve you, to bring so you up to a standard, your, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: So instead of doing the things that you got good grades in, you didn't spend more time doing more of that. You spent more time doing stuff that you got bad grades in. So isn't that an interesting form of imposition? Yeah. Where it takes you away from yourself instead of aligning you with yourself.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's true. So in your post, it says um, the, the clarifying question, who does this serve? Mm-hmm. can you talk about that
1: yeah absolutely it's one of my favorite discernment tools who does this serve means where is my energy going so at any point in time as I'm interacting with the world um, and I'm making my choices where is my my energy is the real currency that I have and I love the play on words energy and currency current you know circuits um, electron electric circuits are currents of energy going around and around. So who am I exchanging energy with? And where is my energy ultimately being used? So um, if we can go back to this, to the school model, who does it serve that I spent more time doing things that I wasn't good at, versus the things that I was good at? So it would serve me to spend more time doing the things that I'm good at. So who does it serve for me to do the, spend more of my time doing the things that I'm bad at? Well, there it serves that compliant, good citizen model so that the authorities can stay in control. And I don't develop enough of myself to question that system. Yeah. In terms of religion... If I'm investing my energy in in worship, then the beings that I'm worshiping are being served by my energy. Is that serving me? Is that is that developing that core sense of myself and my inner authority, or am I giving that away? Um, another example in the New Age, you know, we we listen to channels, we go to our guides we um, pray to angels or ask for ascended masters who is that serving again is that building your inner core power are you coalescing within yourself or are you fragmenting off so it's just what you're doing is upholding what is when you're giving your power away you're upholding what is rather than transitioning into into charles eisenstein's uh i know you're a fan of charles eisenstein oh, yeah. uh, he's got a wonderfully titled long longly titled book the more beautiful world we know is possible so really that's what that's where we go that's what we invest in that more beautiful world when we invest in ourselves when we choose to serve ourselves with our own energy
0: now This can be confused with being selfish. Like, Mm -hmm. so many people are self-serving, right? So, But they're not doing the world any favors by focusing on themselves.
1: Right, good point.
0: So what's the difference?
1: Uh, Well, first of all, um, in terms of the word serve, I've come to shift... The, the basic the fundamental impulse behind that word into contribute there's a differentiation between serving and contributing. am I serving you is a binary exchange. It's like there's a giver and a, and a taker oftentimes sometimes it's a receiver but um, but oftentimes it's just a, a give and take sort of thing in in serving. So um, you go to a restaurant and your server, brings you the food that you've ordered
0: um i like the terms serve order like it's very authoritative isn't it
1: it's very authoritative yes um contribute now i think is the direction that we're going we're contributing our energy in an organic way to to um to to our community to those that we choose to invest in not we're choosing if we choose to invest in the structure that is then at least choose it don't be taken from don't be unconscious of your contribution because you are you're here you're part of it so at least be conscious of where your energy is flowing if you like what's going on then stay with it you're contributing now instead of being of service you're being you know you're the serving aspect of a servant-master relationship. So instead of being the, the servant of the state or any other authoritative um, individual yeah. or collective, um, you're contributing to the community that you want to see that more beautiful world. Um, so the selfishness aspect is an ego I think it's really sometimes selfishness. I think is just the the ego really needing that acknowledgement. My needs aren't being met, so I have to grab them in a very de- demanding way. Mm-hmm. Um, and this isn't this isn't that. Of course, um, that's not heart centered. That's very fear based. That's we can feel that in our heads the the selfishness, whereas the serving of ourselves, we're contributing to our own bank accounts in a way, as we're reclaiming that energy from authority, from that authority.
0: Yeah, I think that it's, it's easy to get confused. But I think the listener, you know, those listening out there, you intuitively know what we're talking about here. But lot of times you know i just want to clarify that when we focus on ourselves we're not being selfish i think that that's a different thing if we're like focusing on hoarding resources for ourselves because we're scared of things we have a scarcity mindset and we want to prevent other people from having things and so like we want to be in power because you know we focus on ourselves so we want to give as much resources to ourselves and as much power to ourselves there are people that abuse that That power. I think it's coming from a fear-based mentality. So you can focus on yourself with a fear-based mentality that everyone's out to get you. Or you can focus on a world that's more heart-centered and love-based where you focus on yourself as if you're creating a more uh, whole self, a whole, uh, you know, living through your heart and encouraging other people to do the same. You know, it's like filling up your own cup, making sure your own needs get met. The things that you desire most that you're trying to take from other people, you know, finding ways to to nourish yourself through through your own self love, self care, there's a whole. There's a big difference from being self centered, you know, and and then being like a an empowered self, you know.
1: Right. Yeah. So. Absolutely. We contribute. the 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 more whole we are, the more of us we have to contribute. And I think my sense is that everybody longs to contribute. We long to contribute the gifts that we have. Our hearts ache for that. We want so much to be valued for what we came here to offer. We came with gifts. We came with talents. We came with our own beautiful imprint to share. And that contribution is so squashed too much of the time that started in school or Mm -hmm. even before and that's that's that that's that centered that's that self-centered place that um that's gotten misplaced in the egoic selfish aspect you spoke about so when we think about contribution i think that that really helps to align us with that sense of who can I be what can I do to help myself contribute more contribute more of myself Mm -hmm. to to the greater to the greater good to my community to my family we'd all love to do that
0: yeah totally so when you're when you're trying to balance this this feeling of self-love and self-actualization you get into a a groove, I'd say. It's like this alignment. It's like you can feel what it feels like to be in alignment. I've talked about this before and on my other podcasts. But when you follow your heart, it takes you into places that you never thought that were possible. And sometimes those places are scary. Like mm-hmm. they're going to confront you with your fears. And when people say, "Face your fears, um, do what scares you," this is like a common advice that you'll receive if you if you go to these like conferences and stuff like that. Um, do one thing every day that scares you or something like that. These are like tools that kind of help you get more in alignment with your true self, you know, your organic nature. Um, but what I like to do is don't focus on the fears and then going to, going and facing them, like with some sort of self-improvement goal Mm -hmm. of like facing your fears. And now like you've conquered them, you know, Charles Eisenstein would love to, would love to say like to to, to get away from the words like conquer Mm -hmm. and, and, um, you know fight your you know those types of words like yeah but but if you follow your path of joy and what really inspires you it'll naturally bring you to those like gatekeepers so to speak these Mm -hmm. fear-based gatekeepers that are like preventing you like um just like we talked about yesterday before we got destroyed (laughs) (laughs) um that you you'll approach like something that scares you, and it'll it'll attempt to steer you off course. Mm-hmm. And this is like your opportunity to to lean into your at ed- the edge of your comfort zone. Do you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And yeah. like those are your opportunities to grow and expand. It's like small little battles along the way when you fight when you follow your inner guidance.
1: Yeah. Well, as you said, um, and you just said there with battle, we that's yeah. the that's how we've we've spoken about our fears and and meeting that aspect of us that we really don't want to meet. We're like, okay, you know, if I could get through today and not address that, it'll be a good day. So, so oh, it yeah. does. I didn't
0: realize I used the word battle there. That's unconscious. Yeah,
1: we just um, we do. We get we become um, fearful of aspects of us that are just asking for acknowledgement and we feel embattled we feel hounded by these aspects that we really just oh, it would be so good if if they could just go away and right, the that's funny, what we yeah, think
0: yeah
1: yeah the funny thing of it is is that that they can go away so much easier than we've been led to believe um, what i said yesterday is that the imposition uh, from bottom to top and you know, we can, we could blow off the lid to, to super woo, you know, any day. Cause there's so much out there that, that can take you from, you know, from the whole spectrum of, of crazy to insane to wow, really? Oh my gosh. I had no idea kind of stuff. So yeah. the, so the imposition is kind of, like I said, my, my, Uh, umbrella term for everything that keeps us separate from ourselves and their one card is fear yeah that's it they've got one card to play they just play it a whole bunch of different ways but when you see it for one card we've got the rest of the deck (laughs) they really have just one card so the fear card is um is to trigger us that primitive brain that says run because the saber-toothed tiger is about to eat us. And we don't meet too many saber-toothed tigers, you know, in, in, in these times, but we still have that primitive fight, flight, or freeze aspect. Okay. And if that can be triggered, we're flooded with a bunch of hormones, our rational brain goes offline, our emotions are overridden, and then in that state of paralysis, we're more controllable. We can be herded. The I love the sheeple term. We can be herded into reacting instead of responding, and we really want to move past that reaction. That's that's so old school kind of way of being. We want to be responsive. Um, yeah. And the fear thing, the fears that are coming up, they're, again, going back to this brilliant movie, Inside Out. If we consider fear as a character that's just wanting attention, that's like, hey, hey, I'm here. Hello? Hello? Can I get a word in? Can yeah. I get just a minute of your time? And you're like, no, 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 I really don't. I really don't want to talk to you right now. I really need to get this done first. Just go away. Please don't, <laughs> Please don't bother me right now just a moment of time of just a deep exhalation oftentimes brings down the whole charge of what that fear is about. There are so many techniques. I don't, you know, I'm not a trained therapist or anything. So um, we, we can talk about what things we've each employed that have been useful for us in general the fear um, the fear of anything is really a fragment of ourselves that's just waiting to come home just it's like knocking on the door can i come in not to terrorize me to reintegrate to be part of me that got sliced off somewhere along the line our childhoods are just nothing but hammered of Not good at this and didn't make that and didn't measure up to this or that. So there are aspects of us that we left along the line. Let's gather them up. Let's bring them home. Let's be us again.
0: Yeah, that's such a beautiful picture. And, you know, just to give an example, when we're a child and we're taught that we have to perform or act good or be a certain way to receive love, or maybe when we when we acted out we were disciplined and we were hurt and we decided that it was bad to do that so we're not going to be like that anymore so mm-hmm. we kind of shut off mm-hmm. a part of ourselves like say for example you are upset and you're angry and your your parents tell you that that's you know you you're not going to be angry at me you know like i'm going to be you're not going to let you're not going to control me they're going to like they're going to discipline you so and then you shut off your anger.
1: Mm-hmm. You learn
0: that it's not okay to be angry. And so you, so you shut off this natural part of yourself. Mm-hmm. And then you grow up as an adult with this idea that it's proper and polite to be nice and to not be angry at people. And this and then you start to become you start to attract anger in your external world <laughs> for you to deal with. And yeah. you'll so you'll you'll be confronted with angry people that scare the hell out of you mm-hmm. and it's because you've shut down this part of yourself that you're not letting speak you know inside you this anger part part of yourself for example and it's and that's why angry people scare you and because you haven't actually owned your own anger mm-hmm. you haven't appreciated your own anger and loved it and that's something i've had to work with with myself mm-hmm. i've been bullied and and I've run away from fights and I've been Mm -hmm. scared of facing and I I, it takes a lot to get me angry that's Mm -hmm. something that I felt like has been a virtue of mine but I'm starting Mm -hmm. to realize I'm just not comfortable with anger in general I'm getting more comfortable i definitely you know I've it's like this sacred anger that I've learned to call it you know
1: anyway yeah I I I had um I had something of a similar experience in that um expressions of anger were not allowed in my youth. That just that that was the realm of adults. Adults got to be angry, but the kids didn't. I mean, when we were by ourselves, of course, we were all all about <laughs> all of the emotions. But yeah. um, but you learn to be somebody else in front of your parents. You learn to be more compliant, right?
0: Oh yeah. And so, in front of your teachers and yeah, anybody exactly. else that's old and authoritative. You
1: yeah, you can't tell them I'm mad at you. That was not allowed. So come the time that I bottled that all up, and when I turned 18, my, my dad will tell you, something happened to her. She really changed. And I'm like, well, yeah, I started saying no. Like, you, you tell me I, I did something, and no, I didn't, and now I'm telling you no, I didn't. It really, I, I waited until I was legally an, uh, an adult, mm-hmm. Not emotionally, of course, but legally, um, before standing up and saying no. And then it, it tipped to the other, you know, it tipped to the other extreme. Then I had a lot of anger to get out. And it wasn't always pretty. I had a hair trigger um yeah. temper there for a while. And then I came to realize that actually that wasn't mine, that I had taken on my father's temper, that I was imitating him mm. in getting mine out. So then it was an exercise of hmm that really isn't me and then that balance that balance arrived so i don't recommend going by route you know that was just how that was my how my process played out as a as a kid just having being so bottled up i erupted but anger itself um my more recent experience with it in in the deconstruction um i i didn't i didn't connect with my anger for a really long time and i actually wondered why am i not angry about some of these things that transpired where is my anger by the way and it took a while it took a while for my anger to arrive and then what it arrived at was righteous indignation yeah which i feel is a really healthy emotion because mm-hmm. it draws our boundaries it's like no you may not do that to me Absolutely not. Uh-uh. No, uh uh-uh, uh. Uh-uh, no, uh uh uh. No, 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 no. And that's okay. That's really, I think, a very healthy place. And that's how anger helps us. That's the positive side of anger. Anger has a fire that kind of lights us up and really can be a very clarifying emotion. Oh, yeah. When we're angry, we really know <laughs> what we want and what we don't want in the moment.
0: Yeah, it's it's a beautiful thing when you combine anger and love. Like mm-hmm. any any of those bad emotions when combined with love turn into the the sacred version of it. It's like the 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 beautiful version of it, you know. Yeah. So, I want to shift gears a little bit. So, you've got a, an amazing phrase on your website called it's go until it's no. Yeah. What's that mean?
1: That means that means that the game that we're playing here uh, in this life, if we want to look at life as a video game, and we go through the different levels, we collect our coins or our um, points to get to, you know, to gain access to to the next level. The the guys that are coming at us that are wanting to prevent us from collecting our points, the the rules of that game are that they can they can bring on their game until we say no. So it's that uh, going back to to our boundaries we're just determining our boundaries. So if we want to look at life everything that we've been through all the rules that that we operate within those rules are operational until we say, I don't agree. My parents brought um, brought my siblings and I up with a great adage. And that is silence implies consent. Meaning if you don't agree with what's going on around you and remain silent, nobody knows that you don't agree. And your consent is implied until you stand up and say no the rules apply the rules apply until you say no so it's go till it's no it's mm. everything everything's on the table everything is is coming at coming your way until you say no you define your boundaries so that's really what it's about it's about exercising that soul sovereignty to say yes, I want that, and no, thank you. No, thank you to that.
0: Can you give a practical example?
1: Sure. Um, let me think of a good one. When I came upon this, when I came upon, this, um, when I came upon the, the realization about this being really the the overarching um, rules of engagement um, I was, I was in this, this, this period of deconstruction and I couldn't figure out from the new age perspective of you create your reality. How did I create this reality? I didn't, I do not remember asking or consciously creating what it is that transpired that led to this deconstruction. It was a lot of painful stuff. And why would I do that to me? Why would I invite all of these super painful experiences? What, what kind of masochist am I, really? I mean, right. <laughs> and, if, mm-hmm. and if it's my higher self that's doing it, what I call my originating self, she must be sadistic. So she's sadistic, and I'm masochistic, and how is it that I'm creating this reality? Um, it, it upset me, and it made me angry that I was being held accountable and responsible for such a painful experience. It just didn't make sense to me. So how how to make sense of that, how to employ my discernment in making sense of what doesn't seem sensible to me. I would never create this for myself. And what I recognized was that in the process of Our free will we we have to actively engage it so we're acting in a way that's there again we're saying yes I want this no I don't want that we're building a boundary and the practical example that I have is really a small one you want something big, but what I've got is small and seemingly insignificant. I was in my garage reaching for something on a higher shelf. And as garages go, you know, you got stuff in your garage. So I was leaning over something else and I felt a muscle spasm in my back. And in an instant, I had multiple emotions going. I had fear of this muscle spasm that I didn't want to be incapacitated by because sometimes those have taken me down for days while, the, while it settles down. Um, and I said, no, you may not. Like, no. I mean, in an instant that I felt the fear, I had an overriding anger that established my boundary. And I said, no, you may not. No, you may not. You, you, this is my body that I'm talking to now. You may not seize up on me. No, like absolutely not. And it stopped. It stopped right then and there. And I went, whoa, what did I just do? <laughs> <laughs>
0: wow. Yeah.
1: And I was frozen. Like I was frozen in mid-reach because I I couldn't believe that it was gone. And I was a little bit afraid of testing it because I didn't want to trigger it. Yeah. So I've got all those habitual ways of thinking in that moment of real decisiveness and it was gone i i continued to do what i needed to do and it planted a seed in me that i do have a toe in on what's happening in my world things happen to me but i can say i can draw that boundary line i can say no from a place of real power it's absolute certainty it's not like no please don't do that it's no it's like absolutely not so that's that that's where i arrived at recognizing that um all these things happened to me so that i could say no to them (laughs) (laughs) yeah
0: Yeah. that's that's certainly an interesting way of looking at it i mean there's there's certain things that continue to happen to you no matter how many times you say no to it because mm-hmm. it's like your own fragmented self knocking on your door you know like yeah. hey pay attention to me like yeah. i can you know but i think that when we say no it's different than and say no one's setting a boundary that's different than ignoring something and mm-hmm. saying no i don't want to talk to you Leave me alone. You know, like in terms of like the fear that keeps coming up, or like the situation in your life that keeps coming up, and you just keep avoiding it. And yeah, I think it's a little bit different. One of them is like is like is like assertively setting this boundary as a sovereign being, and the other one is resisting something that's happening to you. Mm -hmm. You know, as in like I don't wanna like resisting some sort of change that's happening to you. Yeah, I'm. I'm I'm trying to imagine if I were in that situation and my back hurt, I'd probably think like, "Oh, fuck, not again."
1: Yes, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) There was that. There was that thought. There was absolutely that thought, and (laughs) then, and then the overriding one. It was I had been pushed so far, I had been pushed so far to the edge of my tolerance that I reached. I reached that. I reached that place of enough. Like enough already. I'm Mm. done with this. And, and the thing that I wanna say about, in agreement with you about the no to the fear, the no to those aspects of our fragmented self is you can't say no to them because it's you. What you're saying no to is you and you can't really say no to yourself because that sole aspect of you is, is whole. It's in the human experience that we get fractured and part of the game is pulling ourselves together, so it will keep coming back up. And to look at it in terms of okay, if if you are a fragment of me, if you're a frag fractured aspect of me, then okay, tell me what tell me what you want me to hear. Um, I'll tell you an example of of that um, after this in june um seeing this movie and and going through that exercise of of talking with those inner aspects those feeling states i was in contemplation i was considering um considering a a problem that that um that i wanted some insight into and my mind kept interrupting it's like that meditative thing where you know, your mind's so active and meditation is just to observe your mind, really. Um, contemplation, inner work is for um, listening. So my mind kept jumping in. I'm like, okay, thank you for thank you for whatever thought that was. I'll get to that in a minute. I really want to stay focused on on this problem. And it kept, it popped in, popped in, popped in. And I'm like, okay, fine. Okay, this time I'm going to set this problem aside mind hello little mind being what 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 is it what is it that you want what is it that you need right now and in a receptive state of course what i heard was acknowledgement and i went whoa that's it you just want to be acknowledged and even now my heart kind of um, as racing a bit, because it was it was it was such a surprise. I would never, in all the in all the monkey mind chatter that goes on, for my mind to say I want acknowledgement. Like, oh my goodness! Wow. And and what I recognized in that moment was how much my mind works on my behalf how much data it processes in an in a world with data overload right now how how much it's assaulted on a daily basis with with the imposition from advertisements i mean we are on ads all the time even youtube now you know we can't get away from ads advertising is everywhere it is an imposition it is a big imposition on our time which is our you know, our one valuable universal resource. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And my mind is doing all this phenomenal work. And all I see it is a nuisance to be quieted from my, you know, all my meditation instruction. It's like, no, quiet your mind, quiet your mind, quiet your mind. Well, now my mind's really doing a lot of really great stuff (laughs) behind the scenes and I'm not even acknowledging that. All it took was that acknowledgement and my mind just quieted right down. And I was able to, To find the insight to the problem that I had and I'm wholer I am a more whole being for that
0: you know and what I find the most amazing about that is you came to that realization yourself yeah you didn't have to read that in a book for some technique no no one told you this is what you should do
1: right (laughs) No, you're right
0: you totally listened you Mm -hmm. acknowledged and it was as simple as that yeah and so many times we're told like the mind is bad like it's the source of all of our suffering our thinking Mm
1: -hmm. so if we
0: can shut off our thinking and (laughs) just be observers of our thoughts and and release all attachment you know then we'll be peaceful and happy people
1: yeah well we'll be kind of zoned out people
0: (laughs) you'll be zoned out people that don't have that aren't full of life you know
1: yeah no we're we're um We we tend to be head beings. Everything's happening in the head space. We've got all of our senses: our sight, our smell, our touch, and well, touch, but taste, yeah. Yeah. And uh, and our hearing. So we tend to be head beings, and it's really good to refocus and to understand that we've got more to us than you know than what's just above the neck. Um, And a lot of the new age talks about love, and they talk about the heart chakra, but Really, what they're doing is they're continuing to bring energy up into the head, into the third eye, into the sar- uh, saraswara, the crown chakra. and right. and even above that, so the energy is constantly moving up when really to embody embody, we need to be bringing the energy into our bodies. We need, we need our energy inside of us to be the light beings that we are. We are light beings. we emit light our cellular division all the cellular expressions that's that are going on within us emit light so we don't need light from other sources we don't need to bring light in through the top of our heads we don't we don't need any of that the head is is our servant it's not our master but Mm -hmm. it is a really really magnificent contributor to a whole person. Oh yeah.
0: That's that's so beautifully said. I'm not sure where to go after that. I think that <laughs> I think that I feel like the energy is winding up like that's a good way to end it. Yeah. For now. For now? Yeah. So do you have any uh, last thoughts before anything you want to make sure that we missed or that we that you want to plug in real quick?
1: Well, I would um I would love if if everyone were to give a read to the "What Do You Want to Create" yeah. post that I had, just um, just to pull everything together, and it's it's pretty concise. Um, it gives you good a really good grounding on the fundamentals of what we kind of went on different. We went in different aspects, different tangents here in this conversation, but that that post is um, is a gr- really great reference point to um, yeah this creative process and to reclaiming our authenticity um, or pulling ourselves together. It's really a great time. It's really an awesome time. It really is an awesome time. I can't say that enough. It looks like it's full of fear and things are breaking down and it's just shedding. we're just we're just like shedding our winter taking off our winter coat for the spring. you know yeah. it, it's, it's really if you can feel into that, do it often.
0: Cool. All right. So um, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, how can they do that? Through your,
1: through uh, your blog? Through your through website? The blog? Uh-huh. You can email me through the blog. Els at org is the email address.
0: Okay. And
1: um, yeah, I'd okay. love to hear from anybody.
0: Okay. Well, thanks. Uh, I hope to have you on the show some other time and continue this great discussion that we have.
1: That would be fun, Jeff.
0: All right. Well, great. I'll see you next time. Thanks, me. Thanks having... Bye. Bye. Bye.